Around this fixture is a huge amount of emotion, a huge amount of passion, and it's steeped in history. Oh. I feel it's fake. Jack Carting waltzes through. I think I think too much. I feel it's fake. There's an excellent team try. It's right off the top drawer. Ain't nobody watching. I feel it's fake. What a spell of rugby. I just fade I away. I feel it. And it's also a who hits the sweet spot for The 2016-17 Champions Cup is back, the Pro 12 season is underway and Connacht finally look like the champions of old. You're very welcome to today's Action Replay Extra Time Rugby Podcast. My name is Jack O'Toole, I'm joined in studio by Billy Keenan and we'll be talking about the Pro 12 action from the weekend as well as the upcoming Champions Cup fixtures for Irish teams. Billy, the 2016 Champions Cup, as far as Irish teams go, wasn't the most memorable experience, was it last year? Not very much so at all. Uh, Leo Cullen was fresh into the job. His Irish internationals were returning from World Cup duty, a pretty disappointing World Cup and from their perspective. Up, ho- up at home against Wasps in the ODS, they were trashed at home. It was a uh, fierce reminder of the, the spending power of the Premiership clubs now with the top 14. Uh, Munster's season was under Anthony Foley was just disheartening. Back-to-back losses against Leicester overall. And with Ulster, it, it was a disappointing campaign. Ulster probably could have considered themselves quite unlucky last year. I mean, I know they were in a group with Saracens who pretty much, I think they went through the competition undefeated. Yep. Six from six in the pools. Um, they got two wins over Toulouse. Remember, they absolutely hammered them up in, in, Kings, in Kingspan Stadium. But they were just one of the unlucky teams not to be, you know, not to be the, what, third best uh, second place team out yeah, of, the, the, out of the, the, the five groups. Out of all the provinces, Ulster definitely were the ones who turned it around. Those performances against Toulouse, even then down against Ionax in uh, France as well. Some performances there. Kyle McCall came out. Loosehead prop was outstanding, and they would count themselves unlucky to uh, to not qualify. Now they've they've strengthened their squad. They've added a lot of pedigree with Marcel Coutinho and Charles Pietos lighting up uh, Kingspan Stadium at the moment. So hopefully this year they'll have that little bit more to make the difference of you know being one of those top best finishers or even topping their group. Do you think Ulster are still our best bet going forward? Because I think we've always traditionally in this competition, maybe not this certain competition, but in European Cups, the old Heineken Cups, we would have largely pinned a lot of our hopes to Leinster and Munster traditionally, especially during the, with the mid-2000s and, and especially Leinster with the with the turn of the decade. But Ulster last year, given their performances last year, given how good they've been to the start of this season, I know they had the loss out of Connacht, but do you think uh, do you think Leinster or Ulster are probably our, our favourite bet for... Um, to probably go as deep as possible into the Champions Cup this year? I think Ulster definitely have a tougher pool. You look at their pool, they have the likes of Clermont, uh, Exeter and Bordeaux. I've yet to really see uh, European pedigree coming from Bordeaux, but Clermont and Exeter are performing admirably. Exeter is strengthening their squad with the additions of Dave Dennis, Greg Holmes... Mm. Uh, Jeff Parling is getting even more and more game time. Luke Cowan Dickey's on fire. Luke Cowan Dickey, exactly. So Exeter are definitely strong. You know, the likes of Claremont, they're always going to be there. The always the sad runners up. Wesley Fofana is going to be lighting up that that pool. So I think Ulster might be on, on this season so far that they, they got their first loss against Connacht at the weekend. Uh, Leinster maybe a, 
not on as form as Ulster are, but probably a, a weaker pool with Castre, who have a history in the competition. But it'll be really dependent on what squad they send over to the RDS. Them coming up against uh, Leinster away from home, uh, they'll probably be sending a second string team. And if they start the competition with a loss, then their uh, their desire to win more games and, and, and progress will probably be the weaker for it. Well, the Leinster have the Springboks to contend with, don't they? Leinster in, have in, the Springboks in Montpellier. In Montpellier, yes. Okay, so after that, Leinster will be travelling to uh, Stad. Mm, that's completely Stad. No, uh, they'll be travelling to Montpellier anyway. And yes, they've just uh, a team of South Africans. Montpellier under Fabien Galtier were one of the most exciting teams in mm. Europe. Francois Tranduc throwing, the, you know, spinning the ball around. Uh, they were delightful to see. Mamuka Gorgadze was, you know, a cult hero. He's since moved to Toulon. Doing Gorgadze but, things. Yeah, doing Gorgadze things. Now Montpellier have drafted in. They've broken uh, all the regulations in terms of signing and player transfers by bringing in just a wave of wave upon uh, South African talent. And under yeah, Jake they're not White. really caring for that, you know, the French rule where they're trying to grow homegrown talent. Are they? They're really not coming. Not even remotely. And it, <laughs> apparently, uh, you know, it, that that unhappiness ha- has led to Jake White being. You know, released from his contract, he's uh, he he won a Challenge Cup with them last year yeah. uh, against uh, Harlequins in the final. But the the change in style of play has definitely affected him. And now I believe Vern Cotter is going to be returning his pedigree with Scotland and Claremont would with probably Claremont. be excited for the, the probably the, the latter more so than than Scotland. You know, he's had tremendous success with Claremont there for a number of years. I think he only won one top fourteen championship, one top though. fourteen title. Now he. Did bring them to a top fourteen final against Toulon, yes. uh, against Toulon, and then just you know Couple huge battles against Leinster as well. As well. So mm. it, with his old uh, rival Joe Schmidt, there um, one particular one stands out, um, and Leinster's route to the Heineken Cup in twenty twelve. But yeah, he's definitely got a history in the top fourteen. When we look at Connacht, you know the first time they've really been at this stage in a long time. Um, really, kind of not given the easiest group with, with Toulouse and Wasps. There, I know Zebra are there, and they should hopefully beat them twice. Um, Debre, you think it maybe had a bit of a, a, a revitalization this season, but that's yet to transpire. Mm. Um, but Wasps and Toulouse, really not the, the best draw for them. But uh, at Toulouse, still the, the the force of old. Can we see Connick maybe causing a few upsets in Europe this season? Uh, Toulouse are hit or miss. They are eight games in, they have four losses, and they were yeah. beaten at home. Uh, Claremont beat them at home at 29 25 to Claremont. Toulouse, I think are games that Connacht are probably going to have to win. Uh, against Wasps, I don't see a whole lot of hope for Connacht in this Champions Cup. Their squad and their power at the moment is just, it's incredible. Um, mm. Now, they were beaten at home to Saracens, which are the kind of the marker for talent in Europe. But uh, I think if Connacht want to progress in this pool, they're going to have to pick up those points in against Toulouse because I don't see a whole lot of... Uh, W's going to wins coming against Wasps. I don't think this Toulouse is the team of old. You know, Terry Dusatois is still around, but he's on say, the wrong side I, of 30. I think it is the, the team of old, not in terms of success, but just in terms <laughs> of the players. Like, they still have Toby Flood, Luke McAllister, Maxime Maidar, Thierry Dusatois, Johan Maestri, Gutro Steenkamp. Like, this would have been a really competitive, compelling team in 2009 or 2010. But, that- I mean, in 2016, they'd be still rolling around with the, with the likes of those guys. Florian Fritz is still there. You know, this, this is there's there's some really seasoned campaigners. I know there's the likes of Yakuba Kamara and, and Gail Fiku that are that are running around there. You know, some younger guys that will be that are dynamic players, but it's still very much an old team. It's it's an incredibly old team. You know, even likes of Joe Takori, Census Johnston, Census Johnston. They have added Richie Gray, and I'm not sure what kind of impact he's making and what 
terms they were in terms of wins and losses at this start of the season last year. Leonardo Geraldini has been part of the squad. They do have Jan Uge back after a, uh, his injury and, and I think even a banning after a hideous stamp. But it it's definitely not the team of old. Their style of play is being called into question in terms of that forward power that I don't think they're no longer able to uh, to follow up. And then even just the problems around scrum half and fly half. You know, you bring in the likes of Toby Flood, who never has actually gotten a consistent amount of to- time mm. in that number 10 jersey. You have the likes of uh, Jean-Marc Dussan, who normally plays scrum half, but then he's been put into a fly half role. Sebastian Bezi was Guy Noves' starting scrum half in last year's Six Nations Championship but he's not even consistently being picked at fly-off and some consider him a number 10. Then you have the likes of Luke McAllister. So there's not that consistency at number 10 for Toulouse to be able to build a team around, mm. which the likes of even, you know, likes of Lencer or Irish problems is there's a centre, there's Sexton, there's um, there's Blyendal and there's even Jack Carthy up in, in, in Connacht. So there's a there's a, a team that can be built around a player like this and I think Toulouse definitely don't have that. Mm. You mentioned Jack Harry there. He looked quite impressive on the weekend against Ulster. Scored the opening try. Connacht uh, really seemed to be back after that. They, they really had a really shaky start to the season. I think a lot of people attributed it just to the adjustment. The injuries they had, but more so with the loss of Ali Muldowney, AJ McGinty, Robbie Henshaw. There's some massive figures there in that team to lose. But they look like they've turned the corner and they looked exceptional against Ulster. Table-topping Ulster, I might add, as well on the weekend. Do we think they're back then? Do you think they'll continue this run now and we'll see back the Connacht of old? Or is it just, you know, because they are going to have a lot more games now. I think squad strength and squad depth has always been a question for them, particularly last year. They, they answered the question last year and they, and they proved to not really have a great deal. They kept a lot of their key players on the field. Um, but I suppose this European campaign will test the probably depths of their squad depth. Um, I know they had the Challenge Cup run last year, so it was. I mean, I know it's a similar amount of games, but they're probably going to play higher intensity games with a lot more focus as well. Um, how do you think Connacht are going to fare? How do you think they've gone so far? Well, they're enter- entering the Champions Cup this year without Tom McCartney, without Dennis Buckley, yep. uh, two mainstays in the team. There's a third injury, a Kieran Marmion. Mm-hmm. Irish international a huge player for Connacht so they're already entering the competition with some injuries and I know they're going to be out for a bit of time as well Matt Healy's out as well so going into the competition it's going to be tough for Connacht uh, they've been they're coming up against Toulouse this week at home and coming off the back of that win against Ulster like you said who were table topping mm-hmm. it, it was a fantastic victory and I don't know if that means that it's a fluke or if it is a fact that they have turned that corner, that Pat Lamb has brought that culture and they've come back to their systems. I would be on that side of the camp that they have stopped the ship and they've come back to their own flow and the panic stations are over. You know, you like look at the likes of Tiernan O'Halloran, Peter Robb, John Very Muldoon is still tearing things up and Keane Keller. Yeah. Jerry Thornley said it during the week that Keane Kelleher is now the winger that Leinster wanted him to be, yet Connacht are the one who are prospering of it because they gave him the chance, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Uh, Craig Ronaldson returned as well, a fantastic player for Connacht. And then he's just opening up the likes of Bundiaki and Nii Adi Loken. So Looks exceptional. He, Nii really call, does look good. I'm, called I'm, up into Ireland's squad now. I'm definitely feeling some Nii Adi Loken Ireland buzz. I really am. Yeah. I think he's I think he's been very good. I think he's, I've actually been impressed by how good he's been in the air, especially catching like a number of eyeballs. I, I think that, that means something. That I think a, a call-up to that Irish squad means something. I know Gordon Darcy uh, last week didn't really agree with, you know, being called up into the Ireland squad as a as a big a big thing in the wider group, but I think it, it, it is a big deal for someone like 
Adley Loken, who's come from Ulster Bank, playing with Trinity, yeah. being then being brought up into Connacht. He's only in his second or third year of uh, professional rugby. <clears throat> and he said himself he didn't expect to be called up. So I think it's fantastic. And I think that will that recognition will inspire him for even more so. Yeah. So I think hopefully we can definitely see him sh- uh, shine against uh, against Toulouse. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking now just about the different back trees. I think Connacht must have one of the best back trees in the country in terms of Kelleher, O'Halloran, and obviously Nia Adelokan, as you said. Maybe also contend with the absolute litany of wingers they have. Um, I think mostly they've been going with Louis Ludic, Jared Payne, and Tommy Bowe. But you can easily insert, you know, Craig Gilroy in there, and also Andrew Trimble, Pia and even, Tau, even and Jacob Andrew Stocktails, Charles Piatel. Yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely scary the depth they have up there in their back tree. But I, I just have this kind of feeling. I know I'll, we'll touch briefly on the. I kind of want to stick with the with the Champions Cup stuff and the Pro Twelve stuff, but just with the Ireland stuff coming up. If if I honestly see the Kearney brothers in an Ireland squad at the moment, and just given this current reign of form, I just don't know what I'll, I'll do it myself. Yeah, <laughs> I just think the amount of the depth in the back three position, in 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 fullback and boat winger positions in Ireland is probably as strong as it's ever been, and it's always, to be fair, been quite one of our strong points. I think interesting about the, uh, the Kearney brothers. I would agree with that with Rob Kearney because mm-hmm. of the form of Tiernan O'Halloran, Jared Payne, who performed in the fullback role in South Africa, mm-hmm. and even uh, even Simon Zebo as well. But for Dave Kearney, Dave Kearney is in and around that Ireland squad because of what he does on the field. It's not fantastic. If he polar opposite, if you look at the weekend, uh, the match against Leinster for Munster mm. last week, Darren Sweetenham, the, um, Darren Sweetenham's defensive naivety. On the big stage, led yes. to two tries, on the, especially on the second Nasewa try. Second Nasewa try, and even the first one in the corner, in you know five yards in off his yeah. scrum, simple try on two. And that's people think, oh, he's electric with the ball, but those are the defining things that Joe Schmidt will or will not pick a player over. Yes. And he was shown up by the likes of Nasewa, and even a drawn pass by Rob Kearney. So I think those are things that will hurt someone like Sweetenham. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the things that bring Dave Kearney up a notch yeah. in terms of Ireland's selection. You know, in Joe Schmidt's first reign, uh, first Six Nations campaign when they won, Dave Kearney was a mainstay in that team and he was fantastic. His spinning out of tackles coming off the wing gains Ireland a huge amount of yards, which is what you need when we don't have one of the most explosive packs with Sean O'Brien and Keane Healy out of that team. Yeah. So to have that power come off from somewhere else is why Dave Kearney's in the team. I think... Uh, Rob Kearney is someone who's going to need a big Champions Cup weekend in order to be brought back into that Ireland squad. So is, is Dave Kearney in your top three now? So Ireland playing New Zealand next month, starting of next month, Soldier Field in Chicago. Who to you are going to be the 11, 14 and 15 for this Irish team? Assuming our, our top three team, assuming we play our, our absolute best team, no injuries uh, counting. Uh, I That's that's uh, interesting. interesting question. I think Dave Kearney is definitely in contention. I see. I, um, I disagree. I, I just don't think. I, I just. I. I see personally. Um, assuming maybe they go with a with a, a McCloskey, um, Robbie Henshaw centre partnership. I'm. I'm still not. Or maybe Keith Ailes in the outside centre. I'm not really too sure who. Even though on the weekend I, I really I wasn't impressed by his performance. Um, I personally just think Jared Payne a fullback. You got Simon Zebo on one wing and you got Tommy Bow on the other wing. I just don't see. I don't see how Kearney possibly gets in there, you know what I mean? And then that's not to mention guys like Tin and O'Halloran, because um, Payne is quite versatile as well. You know, we could easily see Payne slot in there at outside centre. Um, but I, I think I think there's 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 too much depth there. I think I think 
Dave, to be honest, could be lucky to even get in the Leinster team at this stage. Well, I think uh, Jared Payne will definitely be in the Irish squad, whether that's 15 or 13. Yeah. Depending on that, that will affect, you know, Henshaw's position, sure. Zebo's position. Uh, after the weekend, I don't know if I would be thinking about Simon Zebo. Yeah. Uh, Dave Carney. Dave Carney did miss that match. Yes. He wasn't on the field. Roy Lachlan was in that jersey. Um, I think it's it's unfortunate. You know, Tommy Bowe has only one game under his belt. Yeah. Andrew Trimble he, he hasn't featured. Try, yeah. quite good, you know. Andrew Trimble hasn't featured a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, so who who are the wingers that we pick it from the moment? The people who are lighting up are Keane Keller, Tiernan O'Halloran mm. and Nidi, Nidi Adiolokan. Mm-hmm. All untested at yeah. this level, particularly yeah. with Keller and Adiolokan. Are they going to be brought in against the All Blacks? No. I highly doubt it. Canada, maybe though. Canada, that would be a, a perfect start for them. So to, to draft in... Yeah, I, I I think Dave Carney is in that Lancer team. Yeah. I think uh, Carney will, his older brother Rob would be the one to slip out of it. Yeah. Uh, I think a, a back Just three of, of Kirshner, Nisewa, and Dave Carney w- would be pretty exciting. Yeah. I think, but you have to look back to that reliability. Uh, Sky Sports talked about it in their preview of South Africa and New Zealand. South Africa uh, in Christchurch during the rugby championship scored an opening few minutes try. Mm-hmm. They were 7-3 up. On the restart, Elton Yankees knocked it on. He didn't mm-hmm. catch the ball. I think Dave Kearney is a player who can be brought in and will be able to concentrate and catch those kinds of balls. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think Dave Kearney will be, will be involved somehow. Yeah. And I, ho- I hope he is. I will read you out a starting 15 and you can either make changes to this. You say yes or no. And you, any, any time of the following, okay... Say yes or no if you want to make changes. Jack McGrath, yes. Rory Best. <laughs> Immediately. Props. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we got Jack McGrath, Rory Best, Mike Ross. Would you make changes to that front row? I think that's what it'll start with. Yeah. And I think this Champions Cup weekend will be uh, an excellent opportunity for Tyg Furlong to really legitimately push yes. for Mike Ross's spot. Yes. Uh, but at the moment, I think we'll still go at Rossi here. Yes. Uh, Ian Henderson and Devon Toner in the second row yeah I'd like to see Ian Henderson and Devon Toner in that second row and Alden Delan being sprung off the bench uh, to an eventual maybe starting row still hasn't started Jeff Rowe I, I don't think uh, he's done enough to outweigh Devon Toner's importance at set piece mm. and improvements in carrying, carrying and scrummaging and Ian and Henderson's his line and his lineouts, of course and then Ian Henderson it'll be who partners Devon Toner yeah, and I think that's up to Alden Delan to uh, to overtake Ian Henderson. Yeah, I, I think Delan should have started in one of the South African tests. I forget, I think it was the third and final test when they gave Quinn Rue a start. I just I couldn't I couldn't understand it. I didn't understand why they didn't give Delan. It seemed like the perfect opportunity in a big test to see if he has what it takes yeah. at international level. I think I think he had nothing to lose there, so I was surprised I didn't go with that. In terms of the back row, bear in mind Peter O'Matney's back. Bear in mind Sean O'Brien is coming back this weekend. I'm going to say CJ Stander, Josh van der Fleer and Jamie Heaslip. Would you make any changes there? No, no changes. Um, I'd be very much in favour of leaving Sean O'Brien and Peter O'Mahony out of this squad coming up. Uh, on their day, on their form, there's no question about whether they're, not in, they're in that team. But returning from injury, Peter O'Mahony's 10 to the 40 minutes, he, few hit or miss calls whether or not he was struggling mm-hmm. uh, and Sean O'Brien I think that's the story with Sean O'Brien for the last God knows how many years being brought back when there isn't 
a consistent run up to international rugby. And people ask, what's the difference between international rugby and domestic rugby? Well, Sean O'Brien can return after a hamstring injury and play through 16 minutes in the Pro 12. But against France in the Six Nations, in the Stade de France, with the intensity and the pressure, your hamstrings coming back from an injury will not stand up to it. So I think those two should be eased back before we can look at them in an Ireland jersey. At number seven, what separates Josh van der Fleer from the likes of Tommy O'Donnell, Dan Levy, Jordy Murphy, Chris Henry even? I know he hasn't played a lot this season. Um, what what separates them them from everyone else? I think that's a really good question. Lining up Josh van der Fleer with the likes of Tommy O'Donnell, I think it's Josh van der Fleer's uh, physicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy O'Donnell is an incredibly physical player. It's the sheer will in Tommy o- uh, in Josh van der Fleer that I think sets him apart. His try against Ospreys was incredible a week or two ago again uh, in the RDS, and just his work rate also, his his tackling and, and even working the line out, it's it's quite impressive. Mm. And I think his performances against England in last year's Six Nations is enough to, to jet, jettison Josh van der Fleer in against Tommy O'Donnell. I actually think O'Donnell and Josh van der Fleer do a lot of the same things, or at least show a lot of the same things. Because I've seen, when O'Donnell came on earlier in the Six Nations, when he replaced Sean O'Brien last minute, um, and it was particularly in the Italy game, I think he came off the bench, he was very quick, very quick with ball in hand. It was one really a real punch off the bench that was really, it showed a lot of acceleration for a flanker that we wouldn't really associate with flanker. And I've watched him in other games, particularly with Munster, where he's just been an absolute workhorse and tackled everything, particularly in the Scarlet's game. But I just haven't seen... I've seen Van der Fleer put the whole package more together, especially with running, you know, making these kind of little breaks, being a strong ball carrier. For someone that's not particularly big, being a ferocious tackler, great technique, great around the rook, high work rate. I've seen Van der Fleer put it together more in, in games, in, in a complete package, where I've seen signs from O'Donnell, I just haven't seen him put the whole thing together in, in, in never mind one match, but a, a string of matches. Josh van der Fleer is also bringing in that turnover pilfer yes. element to his game. Yeah. That's seriously impressive. Yeah. And talking about that speed off the line, well, O'Donnell and Josh van der Fleer are number sevens, mm-hmm. where we haven't had the likes of Sean O'Brien in that jersey for so long, who's a six and a half, or he's a, you know eight in a seven jersey. He's not an out and out open side, which is why it's so refreshing to see the likes of Josh van der Fleer and Tommy O'Donnell. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that back row I'd be nine and ten. Do we need to discuss? I don't think. Do we even need to mention names there? Uh, at the moment, n- no. But after that South African or coming into South that that South African t- test series, there was strong. I, I would have been strongly calling for a partnership of Paddy Jackson and Kieran Marmion to be uh-huh. even shown or tested. Yeah, they were so exciting. Kieran Marmion, especially those few performances back to back against Glasgow, yeah. were incredible. Uh-huh. And even the precision to Paddy Jackson's passing at that stage but I think Sexton has come back and he's shown and that he some. is Sexton and then, and then some he's back to his grumpy self and <laughs> I, I think that's really important and he's definitely that general again when yeah. Ireland come into camp Connor Murray yeah um, looking at him against Leinster I was looking at that match and I said after the match how many Munster players would I pick into a Leinster team mm. Conor Murray's international pedigree and name would be enough to get him into the team yet Luke McGrath did a fantastic job against he did. against Leinster he and did. he's even keeping the likes of Jameson Gibson Park out of the team yeah. who's a super rugby winner now he wasn't Starling but TJ Piranaro was ahead of him yeah. so I think for continuity it will be Murray but the likes of 
Luke McGrath, it, it's it's good to see a young scrum half coming through. It is, yeah. Although I, I do think a certain sense with Leinster that McGrath was playing behind a lot more of a dominant pack um, yes, in Leinster and a team that was really on top where Murray was having the box kick probably a lot more just to the fact that Munster really weren't really going anywhere, no. particularly in attack. They just didn't really have any any punch outside of CJ Stammer, you know, going forward. But but we know Munster's, uh, we know Connor Murray's strengths and, and coupled with Johnny Sexton, I think they'll be our starting oh, halfback. Pair. Absolutely, absolutely. The, we've gone through the back three already. The centership, I think we've the centre partnership. I think we've already said largely depends on on where Schmidt sees Jared Payne. But is this is this our weakest position in in Irish rugby at the moment? Is is the centres is the centre pairings? I know Henshaw is going to be there, but there's a lot of uncertainty. If it's not Henshaw and Payne, is there anyone that's really put their hand up and is really you know making claims for this jersey? Well, I think a big aspect to last season was the rise of Gary Ringrose. Yes, and his biggest failing or, or a critic was his conditioning into international rugby Gary Ringrose shoved off Keith Earls who has how many test caps yes. two or three times in that match and made him look like Keith Earls against Gary Ringrose had switched yep. um, the physicality that he's brought up this season is remarkable and those few hits against uh, against Keith Earls were a big positive yeah, in, played his, in his he did um, I'd like I'd look at Ulster and their all of all of their centres. Yeah. Stuart Olding, Luke Marshall, Stuart McCluskey's out. Yeah. Um, Darren Cave, patchy game time. There are centres there, and Luke Marshall's and Stuart Olding's performances in South Africa Fantastic. would be a, a big plus. But I think it, I think it might be even just your comments there. I think would mean that it might be Jared Payne again with Robbie Henshaw. Yeah, which would open the door for Rob Kearney. Yeah, or alternatively Zebo, or hopefully alternatively Turner O'Halloran. Yeah. Um, quickly, uh, just before we wrap up, Ireland are playing the All Blacks as we've mentioned probably two or three times already. As, as if you know people that are listening don't know already. But it, two cracks at them. I think it's what twenty six games we've lost against them. Twenty seven games we've lost against them. It's 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 been a lot. We've had probably arguably stronger teams in the past that have come up short. We've had bad teams that have come close. Is this going to be any difference? They they will probably have already secured the world record for wins. I think consecutive wins when the time they've played Australia. I'm not going to count out Australia. They're the last team to beat them. Um, (laughs) Last year's Rugby World Championship, but they've gone on an incredible run of games. Is this is is Ireland team capable of of beating them? Given how dominant they've been, it's so hard coming into a November series with. You know, no, no history or, or, no, or no barometer to to measure this Ireland team and where they're at. Um, I think Andy Farrell is going to have even more time with them, mm-hmm. so our defence will be a strong aspect. I'm I'm really looking at this Irish team and and where we can actually outperform the All Blacks, even technically. Now, the All Blacks have one of the strongest second row partnerships in world rugby with Brodie Ritalik and Sam Whitelock. Yeah, I think going through this team, we often talk about the spine coming from number eight down towards our backs I think we need to start looking up even further Yeah, a spine of a team around Jack McGrath Devin Toner and then coming into the likes of Jamie Heaslip mm-hmm. I mean we saw what Jamie Heaslip was capable of when CJ Stander took on some of that workload Yeah, uh, I'd like to see even more so when he raised his game against these top tier nations Yeah, so looking well, at that the, the top tier nation the, the top nation in the world so I, I'd look at these players and see what their thoughts are around you know, how much faith they have in themselves. And, okay, Dev, if you think that you're going to be able to win these lineouts, then we should go for that move. Yeah. And we should be bold. And then we should give the ball to Payne in the centre. Yeah. And do some, you know, old Leinster moves off the back. 
it's going to be tough. It's going to be impossible uh, looking at this All Blacks team at the moment. Um, as it has been as for a hundred and what ten years, for far, far too long. <laughs> it's disheartening, and yet it's it's beautiful to see rugby played this way, and it it is so simple. Yeah, uh, it's just the the accuracy of them. It's all the buzzwords. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. We talk about the All Blacks the same way we talk about the French. Yeah. Champagne, rugby, which team will show up? Oh, well, the accuracy of the All Blacks. Anyone can fill any position. Yeah. It's it's going to be nigh impossible. And I'm not sure if we'll be, if our better chance is in Chicago or in the Aviva, depending on what teams are sent out. Yeah. But it, it's more of a case of how great the All Blacks are at the moment mm. rather than Ireland's ability at the moment because yes. the All Blacks are, are just untouchable they, yeah they, they absolutely have been and they're, they're playing at a higher degree and I think everyone like Gordon Darcy spoke to us last week about how people were hopefully holding a candle there and you know yeah. hoping sitting by one that they, they weren't going to be as good after the retirements of Carter Nonu McCaw Conrad Smith Milamu you know all these guys these central figures for years but they have been and they've actually been better and there's already talk of people comparing Barrett as even a better player than Carter who you know I thought was you know the greatest rugby player I've yeah. ever seen and now I'm even having to re-question that theory but just with regards to to Ireland's chances of them I think you talked about individual mashups there, and I think that's always a thing in rugby. We look at one to fifteen, and we go, "Where can we win the matchups?" And you know, coaches say it all the time: if everyone wins their matchup today, we'll we'll win. But I don't even think you can apply that theory to this All Blacks team, just in the fact that the way these guys move the ball and the way they use the full extent of the field, and it's almost like a perfect, you know, amount of meters between each player, and that they use very much. I mean, how many times have we seen Dan Coles just really hugging the touchline? You know, they're really. Their forwards are dispersed all over the field, you know, in terms of splitting splitting the pack right down the middle, and and everyone has good hands, everyone can move the ball, and it's just this relentless pressure that they put on. I think TJ Parano's first try, well, really a second try, depending on how you look at. It. I probably probably was actually his first try because I think the first one was a double movement, but that try was just absolutely miraculous, and I think this is what annoys me. And it's really annoyed me with this all backs to greatness of their team is that people there's this narrative that they do the basics well, right? Which is you know they and you see you see an army of pundits go on about it. It's like they do the basics yeah. well. They uh, they execute better than anyone else. They just do the simple things right. You know this 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 is what Steve Hansen says in the media, but realistically it's 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 not like it's Dan Coles in the first test against South Africa in Christchurch a few weeks ago threw a 15 metre pass a cut out right into the chest of someone like that's not the basics for a hooker the basics for a hooker is winning your own line and doing your own scrum you know and and they like the basics of rugby is retaining your own ball winning your own line out and scrum putting the ball through the hands when there's overlaps like the TJ Paranara try Kieran Reid was bursting into a hole at full speed before being tackled and throwing this no-look offload as he's going to the ground. Israel Dad catches it with one hand, bear in mind, at full speed. And then he fronts from basketball passes to Dan Coles, who swivels and gives it to TJ Paranara who crosses the line. Like, there's nothing basic about that. Like, that is just a ridiculous level of skill executed on, on such a degree that we maybe France when they're in their absolute peak form we've seen from but realistically we haven't seen that from like any other team consistently in rugby so I think that's more of a, of a pet hate I have is just that it's like can we just stop this narrative of they do the simple things well because mm. they just have a relentless speed and execution and their skill level and just ball in hand from 1 to 15 is just so far superior to everyone else so I think we can win some personal matchups for them, but the thing that I've always seen and the thing that I've always thought we struggled with against them 
and I've spoken to Marcus Horn about this yesterday. We tried breaching it with Darcy yesterday. He definitely didn't buy into the concept. But the last 10 minutes of games is when... Traditionally, we've really struggled against them. And I think players know what's coming, but it's just being able to brace for it and really be able to see those last minute, 10 minutes true. And really, if the game is tight, make sure it's tight for that last 20 minutes because we've seen how often this All-Blacks team can just blow teams away. Yeah, I think those last 10 minutes, and I don't know how much of an emphasis there will be on it, but even look at the, the conditioning of uh, Lancer players this season. Mm. Uh, Keen Healy, totally slimmed down. Yes. Uh, Josh van der Fleer has added some some more bulk, but not too much, and his pace off the line is still incredible. Mm. Uh, Devin Toner is looking at, in fierce form, uh, even just conditioning-wise. That may play into the last 10 minutes of a game. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just Ryan Crotty came out this week and said, even if Sexton's penalty went over, I thought we'd still win. Yes. Now that's different to Steve Hansen and McCaw coming out and saying, well, I know actually mathematically it would have been impossible for us to win. Yeah. Uh, there just wasn't physically enough minutes on the clock. Yet, Ryan Crotty, maybe in his naivety, maybe he was in to still in awe of the all-black entity that, yes. yeah, we'll still win. Yes. You know, Ryan Crotty, Malachi Fegatoa have been the centre partnerships for this rugby championship and they've been phenomenal yet their places aren't even being retained because they have the likes of Lena Brown. Lena Brown coming in and, and being phenomenal and he's only 21, 22 yeah. years of age yeah. so there is a ridiculous conveyor belt of people who have so much belief there must be they, they're being told that they are superhuman yes. in this camp and I think that makes them play even more better so uh, and I think coming down to the last 10 minutes there is definitely a belief there Gordon Darcy said it doesn't. It mightn't come into Ireland heads who are defending for the last ten minutes, but it definitely is in the back of an All Blacks head who are going forward. It helps them continuously drive forward uh, over and making those yards. And I mean, how many meters did they make in the last sixty seconds in two thousand and thirteen? Yeah, from one end of the field to the other. Yeah, and I think belief comes into that. Um, and I think I think Scott Robinson said something similar. The Canterbury coach, he was talking the forty-two. If people haven't seen, I think this fantastic series on just exploring New Zealand rugby. And I think he even said, you know, just this fear, this fear of letting down the jersey, or this fear of being part of, say, the first team to lose to a nation, particularly with Ireland. They don't want to do that, but instead of that fear paralyzing them and that fear overcoming them, they kind of use that fear as a weapon and use that as a motivating tool. Because realistically, this is it's such a more sense of reality that they have that for stuff like them for for instance for Ireland the, the motivation for years was to win a Grand Slam it hadn't been done in, in, in 60 odd years the the motivation is to, is to win a Six Nations title the All Blacks motivation is like they've won two World Cups back to back they've won four or four or five of the last rugby championships or five of the last six something like that like they have to set these unreal records world records to, to motivate this team it's, it's, it's insane but they're a great team um, Ireland are also a great team, maybe not as great. Uh, maybe a good team, maybe not on the same level of greatness. But hopefully they have a chance to achieve greatness um, early next month. So we look forward to that. We look forward to the Champions Cup and we'll be back next week um, looking at some of the Champions Cup results and also probably maybe exploring some other uh, options and, and maybe who has anything changed and maybe in terms of our Allen predictions after this weekend. So thanks very much for listening. And as always, you can get the podcast on SoundCloud. You can listen to Action Replay on Monday at 7 o'clock, Thursdays at 6 on dcufm.com, and you can also subscribe to this very podcast on iTunes. Um, so thanks very much for listening, and uh, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Work it, make it, do it, make sense, honor, better, faster, stronger. Lamu, and Lamu gets down! Stay, 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 st